How's it going, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. Prepare to have your mind blown in this episode of The Genius Life, in which I welcome Ronnie Teasdale, otherwise known as Ra of Earth, to his more than 20,000 Instagram followers. He's a practitioner of Chinese medicine, Qigong, Kundalini Yoga, which he's also a certified teacher of, and he's also a six-time CrossFit regional athlete. He's the owner of KoreaOfTheWeek.com, which offers a short daily practice for people to get into meditation and and working with their energy, and for what it's worth, he's got the coolest beard ever. I wanted to get Ra on the show because he has some far out, and I mean really far out views on health and well-being. This interview should not be taken as an endorsement for the types of things Ra talks about or practices, which include, among other things, the consumption of certain of his own bodily excretions and the Qigong practice of self hitting. I actually discovered him when I saw an Instagram post uh, a few months back advising that one should regularly expose one's perineum to the sun. No joke. And that's just scratching the surface of what we're going to discuss over the next hour. I'm always down to talk to interesting and passionate wellness explorers, which I'd consider Ra. Ra draws his wisdom from ancient traditional medicine rather than science. And to be honest, he makes sense in many cases. Ultimately, I'll leave that for you to decide. Before we get to the show, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode who made it all possible, and that is Ned. Ned makes a line of very high quality CBD products, and in a time where just a stroll through your local deli can leave you feeling overwhelmed with the range of CBD options, everything from CBD-infused gummy bears to sparkling waters, I'm happy to know that Ned is making a super high-quality product of pure CBD extract suspended in a solution of pure MCT oil with no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. If you want to try CBD for yourself, head over to helloned.com and use promo code GENIUS to save 15% off of your entire order. At this point, I would say the hype surrounding CBD surpasses the science, but a lot of people claim to be benefiting from CBD for a number of things, whether it's anxiety mitigation or improving sleep. So if you'd like to try it for yourself, go for quality, check out helloned.com, use promo code genius to save 15% off your first order and tell them Max sent you. Now, before we get to the show, guys, please take a moment to support the genius life by leaving that rating and review on iTunes. I would really appreciate it. And by joining my newsletter at maxlugavere.com. Just for signing up, I'm going to send you a list of 11 supplements that you can use to potentially boost your brain function, along with my number one sleep hack that I use for better, more rejuvenating sleep every single night. You can opt out at any time, but about once a week, I send out a handwritten email newsletter designed to improve your life in at least one way. So sign up for my newsletter and you'll see what thousands of people all around the globe are deriving real value from every single week. Again, maxlugavere.com, sign up. I would really appreciate it. All right, guys, we're just seconds away from um, this chat with Ra of Earth. Brilliant guy, um, controversial to say the least, but I'm excited for you to listen to it. Again, this chat should not be taken as an endorsement for the kinds of things that Ra uh, talks about, but he's an interesting character and I am grateful to have had the opportunity to chat with him for this episode. So without further ado, strap on your seatbelt. Let's rock. Ra of Earth. I am here. Thanks for being here, man. People have a habit these days of calling people by their Instagram handles. Mm-hmm. So do, you, do people refer to you as Ra or Ra of Earth? That's what it's, I was trying to figure out. Yeah, it's half and half. I introduce myself as Ra. R-A, but everyone thinks I'm saying raw, like raw food. I could see that working for you. Yeah. I mean, essentially, could be the same thing. Yeah. Is it is raw short for something? It's short for a lot of things. Um, the sun. 
Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the mm. essence of the sun. So my, my assigned spiritual name is Ravi, mm. R-A-V-I. But then my birth name is Ronald. Mm. And then the name I went by most of my life is Ronnie. So there's always like this raw thing. And I have a, a really deep relationship with the sun. So that's eventually it just it, it's always been raw. So that's what it is now. I noticed you first. I think I came across you on Instagram. Um, and, uh, you know, because I spend a lot of time on Instagram. And you seem to be very engaged in health and wellness. And, you know, it's it's obviously like a huge passion for you. Yoga and all that stuff. So, I mean, there's definitely some, some things that I want to ask you, you know, about in terms of your practices, but how did you, I don't know, how did you wind up here? How did you come to be, how did you go from being Ronald to <laughs> becoming raw of earth? Like, what's that, what's that backstory like? I grew up in Michigan. So from three years old to 23 years old, I was in Michigan. I played hockey that entire time from three years old to 23. And the choice was continue on as an athlete, a professional athlete, or move to California. And I was really small growing up, like very tiny. I was the smallest kid in my school most of my life. I didn't hit puberty till I was 19 years old. So playing hockey, I had to eventually find the gym. And so by the time I was 23 and finishing up college, the gym and the health thing my ideas on fitness back in 2000, early 2000s, like 2003, 4, 5, 6, was massively different than anyone else's in Michigan. Like mm. nobody in Michigan cared about health. At the time, Michigan was like the second unhealthiest state in the nation. So here I am, like a health kind of savant, not savant, but just I'm just into health, thinking about it all day long. And, and nobody else cared about it in Michigan. So mm. I, I quit my passion, hockey, right? I still have friends that are playing hockey now, professionally. I quit like essentially one career there and just moved to where I thought everyone was more like me, right? So I moved to, to Southern California. And eventually I opened up a gym and I owned a gym for 10 years. And the same story happened. By the time that I was near like the middle of my gym ownership journey, I was doing things, talking about things, interested in things that nobody in the gym industry really vibed with. Mm. I was talking about energy. I was talking about light when you're sleeping. I was like, this, I mean, I was doing that 12 years ago. Wow. But I was, I was into all of this other stuff, non-physical things in regards to, to physical competition. I was also a, a pretty big competitive exerciser. So I, I owned several CrossFit gyms and I was ranking wise, nobody during the time that I was competing, I was, I was pretty much the top male in Los Angeles for six, seven, eight years. And I wasn't, I was barely training. Like I was barely in the gym underneath a barbell. I was out on the beach, chilling out underneath the sun and winning competitions wow. and doing things that a lot of other people couldn't do. I didn't even know how to explain it to myself. But eventually I wanted to explain how one could have 
uh, great athletic abilities without training because my concept at the time was training equals athletic performance, but I was proving to myself that that's not the case because I was severely injured and I wasn't in the gym because it hurt. So I would just go relax and I would just show up to competitions and do very well. And years, that was years of me just showing up to competitions and that was my working out for the year was just going to competitions and like getting on the podium somehow. So I eventually shut down my gym for the same reason I left Michigan because what I was doing inside the gym didn't make sense. I didn't really believe in it. And so that was two years ago and I spent the last two years teaching about my upgraded philosophy on health and wellness, which has a lot to do with a lot of different things. It's an integral approach at, at just like the human body, the human experience. So I've got several different channels now that I do that on. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how I got here. So it's so awesome. But like, where do you source these various modalities from? Like, is it ancient texts is it like purely intuition like where do you where do you get these these ideas from so it's a little bit of everything and i think there's there's a there's a point where i began to trust and think about reality itself differently um and so when it comes to information that gets inside of my head i I trust that the right stuff's getting inside my head. So I kind of walk through reality, um, listening to the conversations I'm in. If somebody suggests a book and it feels right, then I read that book. Somebody, and I just show up places and I end up talking to people that seem random, but I trust that everything is kind of perfectly happening for me. Yeah. And so a lot, a lot of the situations that I found myself in are kind of seemingly magical. Like when I first moved to California, one of the first people I ever met was a very high level Kundalini yoga teacher. And this was 13, 14 years ago. And she was an energy healer to many A-list celebrities, celebrities that every single person on the planet know. And she liked me for some reason. And uh, so I would hang out with her three, four times a week. And essentially I manifested a gym with the that kind of technology that Mm. technology of of being and and so it's weird man i get i get into conversations with people i get my knowledge from a lot of different sources in 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 terms of books i really like channeled texts so texts where people are either unconscious or in some sort of trance where they're channeling an entity of some sort it might be one of their other lives it might be uh an extraterrestrial inner earth being they're all kind of different so i read a lot of channel texts and i've read a lot of ancient texts i've i've seen a lot of people talking and explaining what the ancient civilizations know and after 10 15 years of doing that really what you notice is that there's there's similar themes and those themes are really what you can kind of take as truth. I've never heard of channel texts. Oh really? Yeah. 
Really, there, really? There's a, it's a whole subgenre of books that are like written while people are unconscious. Like, how, how does that even work? So there's different versions. Sometimes also people put other people into hypnosis. Hmm. And then through that hypnosis, they can kind of go in through portals and access other realms of reality and i'm kind of using these these words that probably all need definition to an uh, to a skeptic you know but there throughout all of history all of the elites have used oracles and an oracle is the same thing and sometimes the oracle is <sighs> under psychedelic sort of hypnosis also whether it's like fumes coming up from a volcano or defecation like kind of poisoning the brain and and accessing portals but all most of the elites used oracles to to rule and so nowadays you can simply i've read probably 50 different texts 50 different books that are people channeling other entities and a lot of times by the time an entity gets to a point where it can it can implant its consciousness into a human being this entity has graduated past this physical existence and they have disembodied so or become enlightened so for the most part a lot of these entities are multiple entities in one so it'd be like an entire civilization of people that merged consciousness and now do not have a body and then there's somebody on earth who doctors and scientists figure this stuff out it's not like some hippie person on a bus smoking weed there's <laughs> usually like engineers and stuff figuring out how to align the person at a specific angle so that there's uh transmission and then they talk they simply they can talk to these these entities and record them and like very scientifically produce a book that is word for word from this entity I feel like I'm tripping just just trying to wrap my head around this whole concept. It's a, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean it opens your your mind up to a whole new perspective, right? Because the perspective that we take is from our own physical self. And if we learn or accept a perspective of uh a being that has kind of transcended this physical reality and can kind of tell us what, what happens after death or, you know, what the purpose of all this is, even just a few pages could change your life, which is what people do when they do psychedelics. You know, I don't, I'm not really into psychedelics that much. Um, but I do know the effect it has on people and and really like people just see things differently and then it, it changes their life yeah i uh i recently interviewed michael pollan who just wrote a book about psychedelics called how to change your mind and um what's so fascinating is that every human culture throughout history um has used some type of mind-altering drug mm -hmm. or or substance or activity you know i mean i guess you can say gazing into a into a campfire can induce a, a trance state of sorts. Correct. Um, yeah. So it's all, it's all super interesting. Like this interrelationship between psychedelics and higher levels of consciousness. Yeah. And you want to use those altered states to promote permanent traits hmm. 
as opposed to like a lot of people kind of just use the psychedelics and well within the psychedelic community because i studied a lot about it before i experimented with some of them but like like i said i've done some psychedelics once or twice and that's it like that's kind of all you need true psychedelics is you just need that vision and then that's that's enough Mm -hmm. you know it's not it's not really an addictive thing but you learn that working out to an altered state right like running a marathon to an altered state like you said looking to a flame Mm -hmm. uh experiencing pain and even just like breath work and cold cold therapy these things can be psychedelic experiences totally and so something interesting about psychedelics i don't know maybe you have something to say i've heard of that book before and and that that gentleman that's cool you got to talk to him yeah uh so from the yogic perspective psychedelics got introduced when man started warring with each other Hmm. because if you imagine tribes and tribal warfare the leaders of the tribes are usually like within a warring environment the leader is going to be the strongest person who killed the most people right Mm -hmm. so before that time though the leader was the one who is connected with source because that would be in a in a mystic sort of tradition that would be the most powerful person the person who is most connected to the spirit realm and so as war took over though the leaders of the tribes had no more connection to the spirit realm and so psychedelics got introduced during this time line and because they're necessary because no longer the leaders of the tribes were the ones that were automatically connected it they had to kind of use a a tool to to gain access to these other dimensions these other perspectives so i feel that one doesn't need psychedelics and that like we can go into the tribes and see that all the tribes use it but there's a time before these tribes that we see now and and they weren't all using them Hmm. that's just another perspective that I kind of take is like go historically, like start looking uh, really far back. Um, like we're talking about Atlantis, Lumeria type stuff. You're not hearing and, and reading. These are also in some channel texts or like firsthand experiences, firsthand stories of Atlantis and Lumeria. You can, you can, people are channeling this stuff. Wait, uh, what is it? Atlantis and Lumeria? Atlantis is an ancient like the underwater city yeah yeah lumeria which is like thought to be mythical and not real but they were very real places and uh and all the ancient places on the earth talk about times and ages that humans have been more advanced than we are now in a different way like we are very mechanically advanced right now. We use physical machinery very, very well. There's ages, because a lot of these ancient calendars are tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years long. And when you ask like, why is the Mayan calendar that long of a calendar when our calendars now are 365 days? It's because we're only looking at the sun rotating or, or the earth rotating around the sun and that's what we base our calendar on. But a lot of these other 
more advanced civilizations looked at the sun rotating around the galaxy. Wow. And when you start looking at the sun rotating around the galaxy, there's seasons, just like there's seasons when the earth rotates around the sun. And the seasons around the galaxy lead to different energies impacting our sun, which impacts the planets and impacts our DNA and just who we are and how this physical environment operates. Like right now I'm sitting next to you and I can't really feel energetically who you are as a person. I don't know how hungry you are. There are people on this planet who can kind of have these abilities, but I don't. There's times, there's ages where the human connection, this is, this is amplified because, because scientifically we know that it's all just energy. And in theory, I am connected to you. Not in theory, in, in scientific document. Yeah, yeah, we are connected. But f- in this cosmic environment, in this cosmic season, we have separation. There's other cosmic seasons where the energy is amplified enough where we actually are more connected. And so that would lead to a more harmonious environment for all living creatures on this planet, right? So that's just an example of what could be different in another season of energy around the galaxy. And this is the season we're going into, actually. You may have heard of the Aquarian age Hmm. is like upon us. The ending of the Mayan calendar in 2012 represented a lot of endings. And we are in this new beginning. And so this new beginning is a more connected reality, which is what the internet represents in this podcast. Hmm. Like, Like this is kind of an artificial telecommunication right we're talking right now but thousands or millions of people can listen to it it's like telepathy right yeah yeah so we're we're using machine technology now to simulate probably what we're going to be able to do naturally not because of technological advances i'm saying it'll happen naturally because of energetic advances Mm. and all of this stuff is also confirmed by organizations like NASA like they're taking pictures of the heliosphere the the sun's atmosphere and noticing that it's going it's pushing into some sort of energy cloud it's like it looks like it's being crushed and even in like the bible and many ancient texts they talk about a solar flare like last time was the flood this time's going to be a solar flare and if you imagine the sun pushing into a different energy field like once it breaks through, it's probably going to burst of some sort. And that's probably going to change life as we know it on this planet. The planet itself is probably going to be okay. Whether we are, quote, okay or not, like do we live, that's, that's to, to be determined. And, and our own concept of what living and death means is, is our attachment to it. So I don't know what that story looks like. But we can look in the past, Atlantis, Lumeria. I don't even know why I was talking about them. But uh, these ancient civilizations, man. I mean, they and the Mayans. Like, how incredible that that millennia prior to the invention of the telescope, they had a concept of galaxies and that they could foresee these seasons, which obviously vastly you know, are, uh, they're just way larger than any one human's lifespan. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. 
it's just fascinating that they would conceive of something on such a such a grand scale in, during such a limited time of mechanical technology. You know, I mean, they had technologies. Obviously, they were they were very advanced, but right. And so then it's as as a living being on this planet, I've like taken the responsibility of figuring out like what they know and how is that applicable to us? Hmm. How can we use what they were doing? For instance, the pyramids, how was that built? You know, we're trying to explain it, or at least the teachers in my elementary school were trying to explain it in terms of mechanical technology. They used trees and rolled it with like woolly mammoths pulling it. It's like this whole thing, right? Like there's slavery and they used a hundred thousand people to move each one of these stones. And if we can just step outside that perspective and just like read the stuff that's written on the walls, like they tell us like the shit was just built in one day with somebody's mind, you know, and maybe an onk. So if we can kind of just like accept that and kind of download the, the codes from that, there's a lot of inferences and a lot of it's a psychedelic experience. Like it changes how we perceive things and we can use that. We can rely on it. And, and that's, that's the stuff. That's what I enjoy teaching now because I enjoy learning about about this stuff. How does reality work and what control do we have over it? You, uh, We were talking about altered states and how to achieve altered states of consciousness without the use of drugs. And I've heard of breath work being one of those sort of gateways. Mm-hmm. And you're really into kundalini yoga right Mm -hmm. i don't know anything about kundalini yoga okay so i mean like what what is that all about so i'm not just in the kundalini yoga but i am a a certified kundalini yoga instructor that's the certification i chose oh wow in terms of like yoga and what what this way this method of looking at the human bodies is we look at the human body as a piece of technology so the human body is, and I'm kind of putting my own inferences in that this is not just only the, the kundalini way. Uh, the human body, if you look at like everything our iPhone can do, if we imagine that the human body has that ability, right? We can go on to the iPhone and just tap some buttons and tomorrow a new pair of shoes shows up at our door. Is it possible for us to tap some buttons on our body through movement, breath work, using different hand signals or chanting, and a new pair of shoes shows up within our reality tomorrow. And this is all stuff I've experimented with. I told you that I moved to California. to I didn't really say I, to, I moved here to start a gym. I met a kundalini yoga instructor, and within a very short amount of time, I, th- I had a 10,000-square-foot gym with members paying me $200 an hour, which moving from, or $200 a month for gym membership, moving from Michigan, that was, that was huge. That was like a reality change. And so using the body, if we think about the body as a, as a remote control to reality, this is essentially what yoga is. Not just Kundalini yoga, but actual yoga as a philosophy. There's many different types of yoga. Most of the yoga in the United States is a westernized version of like how to use a few yoga poses to be able to do cool handstands for Instagram and get 
like a six pack, but yoga as like it is in the East is more about using the body as a piece of technology to impact reality. And then eventually you get to the point where you realize that you are reality and there's no need to impact it. And you're kind of just being, and breath work is one of those ways. If you think about, so breath definitely has an ability to impact your subconscious, your subconscious body, because there's all sorts of things happening within your body like your, your blood's flowing, your eyes are focusing in and out. There's a lot of, there's, there's millions of things, millions of bits of information, millions of times more bits of information happening on subconsciously. There's not really such thing as unconscious. Everything's conscious, but subconsciously un underneath the awareness of your mind, there's a lot more stuff happening than what your mind is processing. So the breath is the bridge to all of that information because the breath happens on its own or you can influence it with your mind. So if you influence the breath with your mind, you kind of can get access to everything else that's happening within your internal environment and your internal environment that's normally operating underneath the perception of your mind is connected to source. It's connect, like there's something telling your heart to beat, right? And it's, there's something telling your body to grow in a certain shape with two legs and two arms. And that something can be accessed through breath work. If you consciously, consciously manipulate your breath, you can kind of cross that bridge and get access to that. It's a portal essentially. And there's all different types of breath work. Wim Hof made breathwork very famous and I applaud him because he took, he took something that's usually taught by like a bearded man in a cave and kind of very hard to digest because not a lot of people is going to walk into a Kundalini yoga class or just a breathwork class. They will now though because of Wim Hof, but Wim Hof took something that wasn't so sexy and he made it sexy. He made it broy. Yeah, <laughs> and he called it Wim Hof, even though it's just straight up pranayama. There's, huh. there's, there's thousands of types of things that are exactly like, but a little bit different than what he's doing. Wow. But he did a good job. Um, he also, if you've been an athlete, like I've been an athlete my whole life, I've been doing ice baths forever, and he made those cool also, which, like, yeah, his story is great and. Like I said, I applaud him. It gets people more aware of these modalities. And ice baths are also a, a yogic thing. The monks and Qigong and Tai Chi, they've got their own, their own other way of looking at the human body too, which is crazy because they use, they use energy in a completely different way. They can like light pieces of paper on fire. and uh, You've seen that. Uh, so I'm... I'm going to go, there's a guy, I've seen videos of it, um, and I've met somebody who teaches people how to do that, Montak Chia. Montak Chia probably wrote that book you were talking about. The Tao of Psychology. Yeah, he's all into Taoism's crazy stuff, but 
there's different ways to use all these energies. There's like the flashy showy way, which is kind of more on the, uh, the dark side of things. It's like throughout history, it's kind of used for warfare. If you are like manipulating things, it usually ends up like that's on the side of like using black magic to inflict power over others. And then there's a different side of the energy usage, which is more about bringing harmony and, and clearing blockages and basically increasing harmony within the reality. And so it's, it's up to everyone. We all have our own free will to determine how we use our own energy. Hmm. But there's a way to learn all of this. I teach some of it. Um, yeah, I've got a, 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 a website where I do 20-minute kriyas. So a kriya means to do in Sanskrit. Hmm. And I've got kriyaoftheweek.com. And, and I do like, it's I kind of like Wim Hof. I made something that's very like. Esoteric. Yeah. And I just like 20 minutes a day. I'm just asking someone just like, here, 20 minutes a day. Can you do this? And we do like, quote, weirder things than you would normally do in the gym or yoga class. But it's just 20 minutes a day and we, re we repeat the Kriya every day of the week and then we get a new Kriya the next week. Wow. And they're all, it's actually mostly not that esoteric. It's about the organs hmm. because we are just talking about breath. The organs actually all interconnect throughout your entire body system also. There's an energy meridians running through all of your muscles into your organs and your organs connect to your emotions and your emotions are your energy, right? Energy in motion. So one of the first things taught to Egyptian initiates, which again, this comes from another channel text called initiation where this lady remembers one of her past lives where she was a daughter of a Pharaoh and she goes through the entire initiation practice in Egypt in, in what we call Egypt and she had an elongated skull and she talks about she talks about the process like what these initiates went through and one of the first things they learned was to control their emotions she would have to be able to become happy and then sad and then angry and then frustrated and then lonely like instantaneously they went through a process but this was i think the second thing she learned hmm. and with that energy we can control like people people may not realize that we're kind of co-creating all of this right this is this is kind of our creation everything in our life is our creation when i look around me into where we're sitting right now i realize that everything in this space i made be here like i remember where all of this stuff came from and that's an easy exercise to realize that your entire reality is a creation of your own self just sit in your bedroom and look around and you can do this in a park everything in the park is there for your experience and so as our emotional energies shift and change we change our environment through those emotions and we might not realize that but when we're angry everything pisses us off everything is like shitty and whatever just inconvenience and so if we have control of our emotions through our organs we can 
we can literally shift reality. <coughs> Our organs also house a lot of stem cells. <laughs> and so another thing we do in Qigong, do you see these sticks up here? Yeah. You like hit, you basically hit yourself. What? So that the uh, fasting is another one of these psychedelic experiences. This yeah. is why Jesus went into the desert and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he had a psychedelic experience and whatever connected to source. Yeah. So when the body is, so when you talk about ice baths and breath, what we're doing is we're getting ourselves closer to death, right? Artificially. Yeah. So if we're beating or stressing the body, I mean, so. right. Which is all growth. Yeah. So really quickly about these sticks, you hit your organs, every single one of them, the intestines, the, not the heart, but basically all the organs except for the heart. And the goal is even the head is to, uh, destroy the weak cells in mm. your organs so that the stem cells can go replace them because the wow. stem cell doesn't replace cells unless they're damaged. So you have to, to basically physically beat them so that the weak cells die and the stronger cells get stronger and the stem cells replace the dead weak cells. And that's also what fasting does. Kind of like the body goes and eats the weak cells. Isn't it amazing that these traditional... Uh, therapies, you know, people have been doing that for millennia and now science is caught up, right? Like that kind of beneficial stress, we call it hormesis when, you know, the body gobbles up its old worn out proteins and cells and organelles. It's called autophagy. Yeah. And that's a funny word to pronounce because it looks like it. Autophagy. Yeah. <laughs> autophagy. Um, Come by the, you're, you're not like, but hitting. actually you're the second person that I've heard pronounce it autophagy. probably the right way. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like many of these like medical terms like they don't have a clear right. cut pronunciation. It's just like some professor somewhere says it and it just sticks. You're not with the with those sticks, so they look like uh they look like kind of chopsticks. Like they're not they're not too thick. Yeah. Thankfully. You're not are you like you're not hitting your balls with them, right? I mean, that uh, would no. kill. No, that would be awesome, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not but those, awesome. Those aren't that bad, but there's something called paeta, which I actually do to people, uh, which one day you should experience. Uh, it's a slapping technique, hmm. and you can either use your hands or you can use a paeta slapper, and that will be the most painful thing you've done, done in your entire life. Wow. Uh, and that doesn't really work with the organs. It works with the energy meridians in your body. And you slap the insides of your elbows, the backsides of your knees. And uh, the insides of your knees, that's like the level one first day. And that's to clear all of your energy meridians. And it's hitting your organ meridians. And then from there, you slap the F out of wherever you have injuries. So if you have a shoulder injury... You basically slap one spot for five minutes and it it damages everything. It clears everything and it gets re everything gets replaced with stem cells. So it's, this, it's essentially stem cell therapy. People heal like car accident type injuries with this pieta. And it's... You know when you used to watch those old Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and yep. like he'd go find some Asian teacher and like he'd be doing crazy stuff and like get like 10 levels better because <laughs> of it. This is like one of those things. It's wow. a Chinese technique 
and it's not it's only for the people that can handle it mentally wow. i like i promise you for me when i did it i did the inside of my elbows and i was like this might be the most painful thing i've done in my <laughs> life it's five minutes after the first minute uh you, your skin is dark purple Oof. and probably like swollen up a half inch and then you still have four minutes to go oh god but by the time i got to the back of my knees uh, it was like five times worse than the insides of my elbows. I had my shirt crimp crinkled up in my mouth, screaming as loud as I could, like as loud as I could, uh, to the point where I couldn't scream anymore. Jeez. It was it's it's torturous, but it uh, it rebuilds the body. You find that it works for you. Yeah, and I and I've seen and 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 been with people that. It like they have injuries and scar tissue and lots of stuff in their body and it it clears it out. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, I'm not endorsing it, but you do have great skin and your the whites of your eyes are pristine. So I mean, you could be like 50 years old and I wouldn't know it. <laughs> I don't even know how old you are, but uh, it's it makes sense. You're bringing like blood to the surface. You know, it's like in you know russians have their own version it's like the russian banya sauna where they beat you with yeah. those like whatever it's called those branches right yeah that's fun um have you been in one of those i've been in i love saunas i haven't gotten that treatment done though I, plaza that's what it's called yeah right i in london one of my friends took me to a russian spa and it there wasn't it wasn't like where you go like americanized it was just like a bunch of guys in a spa like sauna type environment uh naked and we would just like give each other the treatments it was just kind of like free you could stay there all day long and just basically get massaged give massage whip each other's with the freaking thing and yeah it was cool hmm. it's cool to go to these these type of places it's like not americanized well since we're on the topic uh of interesting maybe progressive things that you do for better health because um, we don't have unlimited time. I wish we I wish we did, but you do a few other things that I think are very interesting and I want to get your reasoning for them because I'm sure that they're going to be new to my listeners. Like That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because, for example, you partake in urine therapy. Mm -hmm. What is that? Drinking your own magic water. <laughs> Sweet water is actually what it's called. Sweet <laughs> water. That's sweet, sweet water. So uh, if anyone wants to practice it, the first, the first urine in the morning in the middle of the stream. So you want to kind of like pee a little bit and then collect the middle of the stream and then not the end of the stream either. So it's like midstream urine collection. It helps if your diet's clean, but essentially... Your urine isn't a waste product. There is some waste in there. Less than 5% is what's called urea, which is, which is acidic. And it's actually the stuff that's in a lot of face, facial soaps, the silicic acid. But besides that, a lot of urine is basically the body, the kidney, is it the kidneys? The kidneys are regulating the blood and basically topping off all the levels so if you have extra stuff in the blood extra nutrients the that too much of whatever salts uh micro minerals all of this stuff the kidneys are taking that 
and putting it into your urine. Hmm. That's why I don't know if you've heard the term that like most of the stuff you buy at a supplement store is just making your urine expensive. Heard right? that. Yeah. So you've heard that. So what's happening is the kidneys are taking all of the extra stuff and it's depositing in the urine. If you drink that urine, uh, all of the minerals that you would normally get from food, the body has to process. But in the, in the urine, it's pretty much energetically calibrated already to your body. And so this is, this is actually a Taoist technique, and this is the Russian fighters use this. My entire life I've been hearing of uh, um, like American Indians also. I've been hearing of other cultures, just stories of people drinking their urine. And about five, six years ago, I just started doing it without even researching at all about like whether it's good or bad for you. Always a smart way to, to start things. <laughs> <laughs> By the time I posted on Instagram about it, so I did it the first time about three years ago. Uh, then I kind of did some research on what it is. That's why I know about the kidney thing. And, and, but it's in, in Taoism, it's, it's really big. And it's uh, just for some practicality for the audience. If drinking urine seems uh intense what you can do is start by just washing your face with it which is where i'm at with another thing um, we'll get we'll get to that <laughs> but you can start with washing your face in it and then just straight up drinking urine out of a cup i do but you can mix it into juice and still get the benefits do you have it on the rocks i've literally no, no, no I don't. But that's, warm or do that's, you let it? That's a cool. That's a that'd be a good video. Huh? Uh, yeah, it's straight up, man. Warm right away. What does it taste like? Uh, you know, I know I have a friend who ages it. Wow. Like for years. That's next level. And so he's just got like aged urine, chilling in his place, and uh, I'm gonna probably start doing that. And so yeah, that is next level. Hmm. What was the last question you asked? Yeah. What is it? What does it taste like? something you've never tasted before it's like a weird there's a little salt but man it is it's uh it's potent it's pungent i guess would be the right word and and it's like i i can't even it's like nothing isn't there isn't there a rule that you can do it like it's medicinal like two or three times before you can't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, so there's there. I've heard that rule that you can, you can, you shouldn't continuously drink urine that was produced from other urine, right? So there's a lot of people that that only drink urine and no water, and so then that's what you're talking about. But I've never went there. I've fasted and just drank water and urine. For a number of days, and I was drinking urine the whole time, but I also was mixing water in there, so it's kind of getting diluted wow. with fresh spring water. Do you only drink your own urine? Uh, yes, hmm. as of now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I will drink other people's urine. Um, yeah, because it just energe- it, energetically it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Nothing bad ever has happened ever. Hmm. Um, how frequently do you, do you do this? So I go like 
pretty frequently. I, I'd prefer to drink it. So there's times, like if I'm fasting, I'm pretty much drinking it a lot, hmm. like every day. Wow. But, but there's conflicting arguments on that because when you're fasting, you're getting rid of a lot of the bad stuff. Like we talked about, your body's kind of processing the damaged and cancerous stuff in your in your body. And so I've heard, I've read that your urine is more toxic when you're fasting, but it also tastes better when you're fasting. So um, that's when I like to do it the most. Hmm. And also like just the whole process of cleansing and fasting. I just feel yeah. like getting supercharged. But uh, other than that, it's just a few times a week. But I have friends that like have done it every day for years, wow. like years. And many people reach out to me on Instagram and say the same thing. Like it, it's, it's not as unnormal as you would assume. Hmm. There's just not a lot of people posting it on in Instagram, you know, like yeah. I did. Yeah. A little taboo. Just a little bit. You, um, you know, a lot of people wear, uh, you know, before going to bed, they put on like a nice like face mask, you know, purify mm -hmm. the pores you also like to use the occasional face mask but yours is of a particular substance yeah that i find to be very very interesting that i that i'd like to talk about you you, you do menstrual blood face masks yes which work so first and foremost they work the next day after that your face it feels unlike anything you've ever experienced before it feels like <sighs> i don't even know it's just i want to say baby skin but baby skin doesn't even encompass how it makes my skin feel it actually feels like the actual skin itself is more hydrated so it's like thicker hmm. uh and this is just kind of a stage in where i'm at i'd eventually like to and I'll come back and talk about it, but I'd eventually like to consume menstrual blood mixed with semen. So uh, that's kind of like a, a drink that's like a drink of immortality, which is written in some other texts. But I'm not there yet because there's some questions I have about drinking menstrual blood and being like energetically locked to the female for multiple lifetimes. So I'm not there yet. So I'm placing menstrual blood on my face now and menstrual blood is a i mean if you think about and semen are like these are to produce another life right so there's menstrual blood definitely yes the body's getting rid of the like the ovary it's like shedding what would be a baby so technically it could be termed as waste but really it's because you didn't get pregnant it needs to get rid of this so it can start a new one a new cycle but within all of that is a lot of good stuff there's a lot of good stuff in menstrual blood and i also operate under the premise that everything on our body so there's a study and i can't quote who did the study, but it's got to be really easy to find. They pulled a piece of hair, and there's actually many different types of these studies. They pulled a piece of hair from somebody and separated it from that person and noticed that 
the person up to six months when the study ended, uh, the person's health affects the hair's health, even though the hair wasn't on the person. So if the person developed the disease, the hair would develop the disease. Wow. And, and they've done this sort of things with living cells. Like they take a cell out of somebody that's living. And if the person goes to the airport and is all stressed out at the airport, the cell will become stressed. So when it comes to menstruation, uh, ejaculation, even, even the stuff that we're excreting, like waist-wise, fingernail clippings, hair, like my hairbrush, I don't just throw it in the garbage or down the toilet for it to go into a sewer. I usually put everything outside into the earth. Hmm. And women especially should, if, if this, what I'm saying, is ringing true, they should menstruate into the earth they should use one of these cups uh yoni cups and and pour their menstruation into the plants around their house or into the earth because if these studies are saying that the hair that gets cut off your head or the cell that gets taken out of your body is getting affected by you then probably the opposite's true whatever's happening to your cells as they come off your body is probably also energetically impacting your body itself so just kind of throwing menstruation blood that was supposed to be your life, which you would have been attached to energetically as a mother, you're kind of throwing this would-be baby down into the sewers of whatever city you're in. Probably not the best thing for your body. This is all like subtle energy stuff, though, that won't really affect you if you're still eating McDonald's. Yeah. Well, but just like going back to the earth thing, like it makes total sense, right? I mean, the entirety of us is meant to decay and, and other animals decay right there on the grass and adds more nitrogen to the soil. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're doing your process. You're, you're part of the process. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know, women do this stuff a lot of, it's just like, there's men around. So they don't talk about this men. Like so many messages I got from women about this stuff and it is like I said, drinking urine is kind of normal. The the menstruation and what women do with their menstruation is probably like 20 times more, quote, normal within the women population. It's just they don't really have a platform to talk about this. Yeah. Where men won't come and like try and burn them for being a witch. I mean, your Instagram followers are definitely like a uh, a specific cohort. You know, like I'm sure a lot of your followers do this kind of stuff. And if you guys, you guys listening, you should definitely go and follow Ra on Instagram. It's Ra, R-A, underscore, of, underscore, earth. Dude shares a lot of amazing stuff. And uh, the last thing that I want to talk to you about, because um, it's probably, like, my favorite thing that I've, that I've discovered on your Instagram, is the sunning of your perineum. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would describe it. Is there a term for that? Well, I don't just do the perineum. I, like, every... I do, uh, but the perineum's a special gateway for sure. In uh, in in uh, Qigong and Taoism, there's there's different gateways to get energy into the body, and the nose and the mouth are typically what we use as adult humans in America to get energy into the body, whether we're talking about air or food and water. But if you think back into our embryonic state when we we're inside the womb of the mother, there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of growth happening where we aren't eating or drinking or breathing. And we're 
attaining energy, yes, through the umbilical cord, which is a gate, but there's other gates like the top of the head where the, the, the soft spot is. There's the third eye. There's uh, the kidneys, and which is why like you've seen people like slapping their kidneys, right? Um, like that's a that's a gate, the gate of life, and then the perineum is also a very special gateway. And in the the embryonic state, you're receiving energy to become a life form, and as an adult. Uh, we can learn to keep these channels and these gateways open. And actually a lot of benefit of doing breath work is to stop the inhaling and exhaling through the mouth and the nose and to then inhale and exhale through these other channels. But that's like a stage of breath work that's like well beyond just simply holding your breath. You actually have to consciously uh, import energy through these gateways. Now about the sun on the perineum or the sun on the labias or testicles, these are like, these are, and especially testicles, uh, the skin on the testicle has, it's been so long since I researched this, I forget the name of the cells, but there's a, there's a special type of cell on the skin that which the labia is also that receives sunlight energy in a different way than our skin on the rest of our body does and the perineums kind of all mixed into that also but if if one one would really have to wrap their head around what the sun is for it to make sense that from my perspective the sun is an energetic it's an electric node of energy within the galaxy and it's kind of like all communicating all the stars are communicating the sun from my perspective i don't like to talk in negatives but i'm going to just for the sake of uh because eventually someone would ask me this question anyways but there's no one to ask me i do not i know that the sun is not a burning ball of gas in the sky that's a very uh old viewpoint of how the how the universe works I see it more as a, a, a source of energy, a source of electricity. And when you realize that every star is communicating with each other instantaneously, uh, we would want that information into our body as best as possible. And all of our skin is a solar cell, and so we're, we're covering a very vital part of our body. Our, like, where the sun doesn't shine, this is like... These are very important parts of our body. And there's a lot of people, this is an anti-aging technique to make sure you get sun on your ass and everything else around there. Perineum, butthole, testicles, penis, like everything needs this light because light is, everything on this earth comes from that sun. And the sun is like the master coordinator of the life on this planet. It's telling everything how to operate. And if there's parts of us that are never getting into the light, it's like we're never receiving the information manual on how to operate and exist within this paradigm. Man, that makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, just in terms of a purely like hygiene standpoint, I mean, you know what they say, like nothing uh, disinfects like sunlight, right? So, I mean, these are like moist regions of the body 
and um there's there's studies where they've taken they've done weird stuff with light like make life just appear within like hermetically sealed cups of water they've taken like raspberry pictures and like shined light through the raspberry a healthy raspberry picture into a diseased raspberry bush and the the bush like gets better wow like i said the sun's changing and so every single day the sun is gaining uh a different value of information and it's changing all of our planets and it's changing everybody on it and yes the sun is impacting us whether we're indoors or underneath clothes or whatever but i would like to just expose all parts of myself and this is this is again another thing that's been talked about in many cultures um and sun gazing also just straight up looking at the sun it's also been used the sun's the sun's the god figure in in every culture like the sun is considered what like the deity figure so yeah i i currently am staying here where we're at and i don't have a sun sort of tanning spot but the last two houses i was in for like the last seven years i could sunbathe naked and it was like a daily thing for me. Wow, like on your roof or something? Uh, I, I had one a deck um, at the top of the Hollywood Hills, so literally nobody wow. could see down into the deck. And then another one was just in a in a yard with tall hedges. So um, I, I think that a lot of growth happened during that time of my life. And I, I might actually be feeling the effects now of being like in an apartment with who knows how many wi-fi signals blasting through me right now (laughs) i i definitely feel the effect and the change of from this environment from before where i was like earthing and grounding and sun gazing every single day and so i look forward to going (laughs) back to that i get it any tips for listeners who want to increase their you know the sun exposure of their butthole their their you know labia like what what can your average folk do well so actually yesterday and a couple of days you <laughs> this is weird but there's there's places where you can go and just kind of let your balls hang out of your shorts <laughs> wait a minute um, <laughs> like if you're just like sitting and you're kind of covered uh you can just like go somewhere where nobody's like directly sitting in front of you and just like pull your short shorts off to the side. <laughs> and really you just need like five to 15 minutes, ideally 15 minutes. The, the visual is just <laughs> killing me. You just pull the shorts to the side, let the balls hang out. Yeah. And this is the stuff that, that I do and I promote to people because wow. this is important. And like you said, like, yeah, what tips do you have? Not a lot of people can go be naked somewhere. Right. I also frequent hot springs a lot. Those are, I love those. Yeah, and you're pretty much clothing optional at a lot of those. And so that's that's like earthing, water, air, sunshine, all in one shot. What's earthing? Uh, just bare feet on the ground. Bare feet on the ground. Yeah. I traveled to uh, Northern California recently, and I was, uh, you know, like in airports and airplanes, like for like multiple hours all day. I felt so disconnected. And when I arrived at where I was going, it was a farm. There was like this beautiful patch of grass and just something in my body was like yeah. telling me, oh my God, like take off your shoes, 
stand on the grass, lay down. It was really powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a sensation we can develop, right? When our body tells us what to do. Yeah, standing on grass, what a feeling. Nobody feels bad after taking a walk outside. Yeah. Like it's it's an instant healing. And yeah, this is a that's a whole other show of like what grounding can do for the body and why it works. Yeah. But yeah, just like the sun's electric, our body's electric. We're just this huge voltage system and increasing the voltage in our cells and in our body increases our vitality and life. Damn. Rob, you've got so much wisdom. I can't wait to see the day that science catches up because you're, you're very much ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of observing other people, lots of other people. But yeah, it's funny. Science is validating these things now. Like science isn't discovering anything. It's just kind of validating what was our, always known. Yeah, and it's also not the end-all, be-all, right? Like it's not Correct. the, it's, you know, like... I don't believe, and my listeners know this, like, you know, I very much like respect science and I write about it, but, um, yeah, certain things I feel like we don't need to wait for data. You know, if they pass the test of logic, if they make sense from an ancestral standpoint. And also I, you know, I have a lot of people in my life who are like intuitive, like you, you know? And so I, I just feel like there's, there's wisdom to be gleaned from people who are kind of out in the trenches trying to figure out ways of hacking the modern environment to regain the sort of happiness and peace and connection that our ancestors surely knew and that people around the world are still experiencing. But today I feel like we're all so disconnected that it takes, you know, like s these ideas, wisdom, like, like, you know, what you've shared. Uh, I have something to say about science. So, even if science was perfect, which it, there's, there's, a, there's a whole other issue of politics and, and covering up data that kind of conflicts with others. But even if science was perfect, science is really good at proving what is true, right? But there's other maps and lenses for which we can perceive reality that have nothing to do with like what is or isn't. Like, for instance, there's this concept of three kind of uh, equivalent maps. There's good, true, and beautiful. And they're kind of all independent, but measuring reality in the same way. And science is really good at measuring what's true or not true. But it doesn't take into consideration what's good or bad. So there's no question of like morality or, or anything in the spectrum of like good or bad and also what's beautiful or not beautiful. And so just having a completely scientific version and concept of anything is, is very one-dimensional and it's blinding if you're only kind of looking at like, what, what do the studies say? What yeah. do the studies say? Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, I've got one last question for you. Um, raw of earth but before we get to that how can well i already shared your instagram but if there's any other ways that listeners can engage with you you know check out your content yeah there's a raw of earth.com and there's no underscores on that and there i've got uh 
practice of the day, which are like psychological. My my first kind of love was psychology. It's I have a psychological. I have a degree in psychology with a minor in exercise science. Wow. So I have a degree in psychology, and that's kind of my first love. And I I share a psychological drill every single day on the Instagram practice of the day, and then uh, also on Robert.com. You can link to my website kriyaoftheweek.com, which which I share, it's a membership website. I share uh, all this stuff about that human technology that we were talking about. So dope. Um, yeah, and also, guys, go go check out Ra on Instagram, Ra underscore of underscore earth. What does it mean to you to uh, live a genius life? <laughs> so this is the question you ask everyone, right? That's like the everybody question, yeah. So for me, it's about full spectrum awareness. So the one sentence answer would be to have a full spectrum awareness of everything that's happening around you, within you, and without you. And what that means is that we have multiple lenses in which to look at reality and to look at ourselves. We're not just looking at everything from a scientific perspective, like we're saying, we're also looking at from many different multiple dimensions looking at it from our perspective, from other people's perspective, from the perspective of God exists, from the perspective of the Big Bang exists, from the perspective of, of aliens exist that made us, like all, being able to hold all these different perspectives within our concept of what is life. And having multiple lenses in which to view life makes you a genius. And I even think that's a quote by Albert Einstein that a genius is somebody that can hold two opposing opinions in their head and still be able to function. Hmm. Yeah. I feel somebody, somebody Someone smart said, said that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I agree, man. Well, thank you so much for being here. And, uh, to all you guys out there listening in podcast land, as always, I value your time and your attention. Take a moment to share this episode of the show, highlight your favorite quote from Ra or I tag Ra tag myself and spread the word about what we're doing here at the Genius Life. I would really appreciate that. I will catch you on the next episode. Now go sun your buttholes. Get it. <laughs>